0: So Money, episode 802. Leah Gervais, founder of Urban20Something.com.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself.
0: when your side hustle deserves your fullest attention, and maybe it's time to give up your nine to five. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today first arrived on this show last year, episode 602. She joined me for an Ask Farnoosh jam session 200 episodes ago. And at that time, she was a working professional in New York, sort of trying to figure out her life, uh, using a blog as a creative outlet. She had found at urban20something.com. Today, she's fully self-employed, said bye-bye, to her desk job and is dedicating all of her focus to this site. How did Leah know she was ready to make the transition? How is she monetizing her platform? And what advice does she have for the rest of us? If we're considering a side gig or uh, maybe we're in the midst of one, how do we make more of it? And by the way, Leah has a freebie for us. Just go to somoneypodcast.com. She wants to send you over to download a free case study that she's created for listeners on how to up level your side hustle and actually bring in some good cash. Go to so com for that. But before you do, here's Leah Gervais. Leah Gervais, welcome to So Money. I'm so excited to bring you back on. You were on this show about a year and a half ago, straddling the nine to five and your side hustle. You've got some big news now to share that you're an entrepreneur. You are running urban20something.com full time. So proud of you. Welcome back.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much, Farnish. That was so lovely. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Your show has been one of the original reasons that I'm you know standing here today. I have you to thank for inspiring me and teaching me and it 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 feels great. <laughs> it feels pretty much uh you know the way you think it would and and even better when you reach a big goal like that and it comes true, its can be even better than you could have anticipated.
0: I'm so glad to hear this. You deserve all of it. Take us back to your previous life. What Catch us up a little bit. And for those who are listening for the first time, learning about you for the first time, where were you a year and a half ago? What were you doing? What inspired the side hustle of Urban20something.com? Let's start there and then we'll talk about the transition and when you knew it was time to leave and how things are going today.
1: Sure. So going back a little more than a year and a half ago, I started it about two and a half years ago. And I started it when I was going through a very confusing time. I mean, at the time, it seemed so confusing. But you know, now looking back, I was like 22. So of course, <laughs> everything's confusing then. But right. um, well, it was a little older. But yeah, I, I had gotten into law school. I was working as a paralegal on 42nd Street in Manhattan. I had gone through undergrad, assuming I was going to go to law school, that had always been my plan. And on literally the day that I had to tell the schools I had been admitted into which one I was going to accept, because I had just kind of delayed and delayed and delayed, I realized that the answer wasn't going to be which one it was going to be that I wasn't going to go at all. And that was a really... it was really clear, but it was really scary still because I didn't know what else I was going to do. I had really planned on that for so long, and I didn't really know what else I was interested in or how to even begin. And my job was at, in the legal field. So to sort of have that blank slate and not even know what where what direction to turn was, was scary. And so I started Urban 20-something as a blog to document this road less traveled I was about to take because even though I didn't know where I was going to go or where I was going to end up, I definitely knew I couldn't be alone. I knew there had to be other 20, 30, 40-somethings that you know, thought that they had done everything right um, but then still felt incredibly lost. So I wanted to write about it. I wanted to try to reach more people about it. I wanted to um, teach what I kind of learned along the way and that's how this began.
0: What was telling you... What was the voice telling you that the law school path was not correct?
1: So I often tell that it was sort of a gut feeling, but the truth is there's a bit more to it than that. And what I mean by that, and I'm sure I think you can re- l- relate with this, Furnish, but um up until that point. So I grew up in a small town in Colorado and I knew from a young age that I wanted to live in New York and, you know, just like every eight year old ballerina does, but I never grew out of it. I always wanted it. And I wanted to live the whole, you know, life here. I wanted to have a really fulfilling career. I wanted to be comfortable the whole nine. And I was willing to to do what in my eyes, you know, whatever it took to make that happen. So I worked really hard. Um, when I was younger, I got into NYU. I worked really hard at NYU. Um, I got, you know, a job when I graduated as a paralegal. And so in my eyes, I did pretty much everything society told me to do. And ended up in a situation where I was making $40,000 a year living in one of the most expensive cities in the world. I had crazy student loans. I had no end in sight to when, you know, this paycheck to paycheck, unfulfilling, stressful job was going to end. In fact, I was just going to get in more debt by going to law school. And so I, I think that morning when I decided to decline my acceptances, it was because of a pattern of distrust of the status quo and of society and of these really good jobs and good schools and you know prestigious paths. And not that I regret anything that I did, but I realized that if I was going to want to create this, this dream life I had had since I was younger, I was going to need to get creative about it because continuing to do what society had paid for me was not going to get me where I wanted to be as it had been demonstrated to me t- for the past several years. That's very mature of you. <laughs> because it's
0: a really scary place to be in. And I think it's really brave of you to have decided to trust your gut and, uh, you know, take a risk. And, I, uh, you know, looking back in hindsight, the 20s are when you are most risk able, like you should not be afraid to take risks. I think your 20s are when you're supposed to just screw up a lot, frankly, you know, make some measured Screw ups, (laughs) you know, have a plan B, hopefully. Uh, And your plan B was look, I have a college degree, I'm smart, I am savvy. So, what do you really have to lose? Your law school will always be there. Right, right, right. Urban20something.com then became your outlet to explore these conundrums you were going through, find your people. You turned it into a business, and in fact, a business that ended up creating revenue that exceeded your income at your nine to five. How did you do that?
1: So at first, right when I started it and quit my... Quit my well, so I declined my acceptances, started my blog, and quit my job as a paralegal all within about, I don't know, two weeks, <laughs> and um i decided that because i was no longer going to work as a lawyer at the well for the foreseeable future i was going to take this even further i didn't see any point in working at a law firm and i bought a one way ticket to southeast asia and i traveled by myself for about 4 months so at that time Urban 20-something was me writing about traveling alone and managing to budget while I was traveling and learning how to freelance. And I was truly just sort of using it as a a diary of how I was you know, figuring things out as I went in this completely new life that I had just stepped into. And so then I started learning that I could make money from freelancing um, because I was in Southeast Asia. I needed a little bit of money and learning how to do that. I started blogging about that. And that picked up traction. And um, then... About uh well about four or five months into it, when I was in Southeast Asia still, I ended up getting a job at a wonderful nonprofit back in New York City. But while I was living in Bangkok, and so I started blogging about that. And then a lot of my readers reached out to me, and they were sort of like, how did how did you do that? Like how did you take a gap in your resume and still get a job? How did you apply for a job while you're in a different country? Um, you know while you don't really have any connections? And I was like, oh you know maybe this could be useful. They're probably this this is totally aligned with my original goal of this blog, which was to empower people that wanted to explore options in their life. And so I made an e-course about how to apply for a job while you have a gap in your resume and or while you're traveling and stand out online in the sea of applications. And that was my first way that I really monetized my website and things just really took off from there.
0: Wow. So what's next for the site? You've now left your job is it did you, did you just do the math and you were like I'm making more now than my 9 to 5 it's time to quit or were there was there more that you considered
1: yeah so about that was I launched that course about a year ago and that's when I started to see you know real income from it not it wasn't quite as much as my 9 to 5 but when I started to break four figures around my 9 to 5 is when I thought oh this could maybe be this could maybe be something. Like maybe this is more powerful than just the creative outlet I have been treating it. And so I promised myself at the end of 2017, almost a year ago now, that I would spend 2018 giving it my all, seeing if I could replace my income, seeing if it was actually going to make me money. And, you know, little did I know, six months later, I would have had several months of it exceeding my nine to five income. And I realized the how how much people wanted to learn what I had to teach, which is how to build businesses around your nine to five job, how to make extra income, how to not settle for these paycheck to paycheck jobs and lives that a lot of us have been funneled in through from society the way I had. And I I, I felt, I don't know, I'm sure you read the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, but he talks about your zone of excellence, which is where a people live in in jobs that they like, but that's not necessarily your zone of genius. And I feel like I needed to leap from excellence to try to genius. I know genius is kind of a big word, but that's the way I looked at it.
0: (laughs) Zone of excellence to zone of genius. I'm writing that down. Speaking (laughs) of books, what other resources, mentors did you tap? I know my 20s were uh, the reason I didn't probably fall on my face more than I did was because I had a I patchworked a lot of great mentorship, advice, books, resources. And I I really, I think, was proactive about that. And I credit myself for that. But I also thank all the people who really gave me incredible, generous advice. And so got to ask you, like, what, who was your community and your support system during this phase and still?
1: Yeah. So this is a, I'm really happy you asked me this question because I think it's important for people to just realize how important it is. And this was a really big pendulum swing for me. So when I was still, um, when i was still a paralegal at my you know first job when i started realizing that like life wasn't really as sweet as i thought it would be and that i was broke and that manhattan was crazy expensive um i got really obsessed with the world of personal finance and i read you know rich dad poor dad um the millionaire next door um like all these really really great classic books about how to manage your money better and i loved them and that helped me a lot and it helped me make more of the money that to- I was making so much, but I also realized that because I had gone so into it, I was kind of doing it in a robotic way. And I wasn't really paying attention to what I wanted to do with money. And, you know, I got to a point where I was like, Oh my God, I have a savings account for a house. Like I don't want a house. I live in New York city. (laughs) I don't want to buy this anytime soon. I was just realizing that I was taking this advice. So at face value and not really looking at the way it applied to my own life. So I ended up really kind of thinking differently when I was traveling by myself. And I was becoming a lot more introspective and trying to write my own story. And that's when I got more into um, the entrepreneurial mindset and books and podcasts in that kind of zone. That's when I found your podcast, as well as I love reading things like Marianne Williamson. I love reading Napoleon Hill, Wallace D. Waddles, everything, those books that really get sort of more big picture about what you can do with money instead of just frigidly how to save it. And I I, I think that people can often fall on one end of the spectrum a bit too much. And I think the balance is really helpful.
0: It's no coincidence when I meet thoughtful young people you, my brother, guests on this show, other millennials I meet through all my work and even just like on the street. Hey, Farnoosh, I listen to your podcast. And then we start talking. (laughs) It happens once in a while. It's really great. Uh, It's no coincidence that all of you are well-read, well-read, well-resourced, curious people. And I think that's really special. I, I love meeting people like you of of all ages, but I find it particularly uh, just uh, impressive uh, when I when I when I see that happening in the younger generation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this like as your grandmother. I'm like I'm like I'm like pretty close to the millennials. I'm on the cusp of Gen <laughs> X and Gen Y. I don't think I was as. Uh, as a voracious of a consumer of information and inspiration in my 20s. And I just think like, wow, if I had read a few more books, <laughs> where would I have gone? But I'm so uh, – it's it's just really uh, – um makes me happy. It just makes me really happy. And speaking of – you brought it up, personal finance and your passion mm-hmm. for this and your pursuit – Let's talk about your money philosophy. Let's go to the So Money sure. questions a little bit, Leah. You've been so fun to chat with. So first question is, what is your money philosophy? What's your money mantra?
1: So I believe that money is here to... Enable us to, you know, do whatever we want with it, and I think we all kind of know that, and at face value, that makes a lot of sense. But what we can easily forget is that it requires really figuring out what it is that you do want to do. And so, like I, I, you know, I gave the example before where I was saving all this money for a house until I realized I don't want a house. I'm like 23. <laughs> I don't want to own any, you know, piece of real estate anytime soon. So I think that in in our um, I don't know, especially like in, in in cities where everyone's really competitive and, you know, type A wanting to work, work, work. You just kind of think of your finances as a very robotic thing and don't even take the time to assess what you're really wanting to do with them. And that's where the personal finance thing it can be kind of ironic because in some of the traditional personal finance advice or books or, you know, I grew up, my my father was an accountant, he was a CPA. Um there, a lot of it actually has nothing personal about it at all. It's very much like this is what you should do. This is the percentage you should save. This is, you know, what kind of things you should invest in. And it doesn't really take into consideration what you want out of it. So I think it requires a lot more uh, reflection than this traditional advice allows.
0: Yeah. um, When you were growing up, you mentioned Mm -hmm. your father was an accountant. What was your foray into the world of finance. Did your par- were there, your parents the type to really like have conversations with you about it? Is there a moment, a memory that you have that continues to stay with you that was very much like your a, a way that you learned about money or had a a realization about money?
1: Yeah, so my father was—I kind of had a really interesting and I guess really lucky combination. And I grew up with money because my father was a CPA, so we very were, were very much financially literate. And you know, we were gave—we uh, we had books that we read often and things like that. And we did talk about money in a very uh, responsible and you know financial planning way. Um, and my father started his own CPA firm, so he also was an entrepreneur, and he also took incredible risks to get to that position and to make that happen so When he was raising us when we were younger, he was very much teaching us more about saving and investing and, um, the sort of just dollars and cents behind money. And I was stunned when I called him to tell him that I was, you know, going to go to Southeast Asia and I was also starting a website and I wasn't going to go to, you know, some of the best law schools in the country that I had been accepted to. And he just totally got it; didn't miss a beat. (laughs) You know, didn't think anything about like having maybe I should have gone to law school or maybe I should be saving my money. He completely understood how important risks were. And that money is there to fulfill whatever you want out of it, and that's exactly what I was doing, so that really freed me because, like I said, I was so um just engulfed in the rigidness of it that I forgot that it's not supposed to be a stress, it's not supposed to be something that feels separate from our goals. it's supposed to completely enable them and really excite you. Mm-hmm. What would you describe?
0: As your so money moment, Leah, like a moment where you really fell and and perhaps it is when you left your nine to five to pursue Urban 20 something fully full time. But did you have like loans that you paid off your so money moment
1: loans that you paid off or something that you bought that you really saved up for? I think the biggest moment, it's probably not as climatic as I wish I had or as maybe people would want. But I think the the most unreal moment for me was when I saw that, you know, one month I had like, in one month, I made more than my nine to five. And in the next month, I doubled it around my nine to five job. And I just remember thinking wow, like I really unlocked the power of the side hustle. That's really how I felt. I felt like I had gotten, you know, I had gone all the way with what a side hustle is supposed to be about. I had figured it out and it just felt like incredible.
0: And what did you do with the money? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I remember having side hustles in my twenties and also, you know, you know, uh, there was a year or two that I was making side hustle money that equated to my salary at work. And I, um, I was elated. I, I don't remember. I think I invested more. I paid off my student loans. I uh, bought some nicer stuff. I went on some vacations and it was, uh, it was amazing. So what, what did you do?
1: Yeah. And what so are you doing? <laughs> I've bit, A bit of a combination like that. I mean, I, you know, really seeing this side hustle and the growth of my website, not as just a, a flux in my income, but as the way to recreate that, not even recreate, to create that life in New York I had chased since, you know, I was 16 or eight or whatever way you want to look at it. So I enjoy New York m- more now. I live in a nicer apartment now. I'm able to uh, treat my friends and family a little bit better when, you know, around the city, if, if it's on the weekends or if someone's visiting or something like that. Um, and that is, is, just so fulfilling because I know I completely did it from something I created out of nothing. Um, in terms of my student loans, I did graduate from NYU with some loans, not not not, not quite a, not, not a ton. Um, but what I chose to do... So at first, when I started Urban 20-something, I was like, I just want to pay them off. That's all I care about. And then when I started seeing how much it was growing and I was thinking about leaving my gay job, I was more concerned with making sure that I was growing in revenue every single month around my day job than necessarily having a savings account just sitting there. So I paid off almost all my student loans except one small one. And what I chose to do with that instead is refinance it to, I think it's at like a 2.4% interest rate. It's extremely inexpensive. And with, instead of paying it off, um, I reinvested into Urban 20 something to help it grow more to help with, you know, getting a better website to help with managing all the work, because it is a lot just for me to do. And to me, that was actually a lot more financially secure. Because when I did make the leap, I was so sure, as I had proven to myself that I was able to make money and grow my income, um, because I invested a little bit in it rather than just sort of having money sitting there in savings, which I would have been stressed about, you know, not touching anyway. So that's kind of how I, I really had to change my perspective to make that happen. I mean, a year ago, I would have never thought that I would prioritize making over saving, I would have just thought saving was my priority. But Mm. that's not what ended up happening.
0: Yeah, or that, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of debt if it's Manageable, and it's facilitating your ability to ha- be liquid and use that money to make more money right exactly, which exactly. is like, which is why people don't, for example, pay off their mortgage right away if they could right. because the interest rate's so low, it's a monthly payment, they work around it, they have their more cash flush, and they can use that cash to invest in the stock market or
1: other things that will have a higher return. and I think that's really smart. Great work. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I could pay this off. And then I would just be sitting here like not knowing how to move forward so much. That's not what I wanted. So yeah, I agree. The investment was a much higher return in my business than it would have been on that 2.4% loan. (laughs) So it's
0: Halloween, October 31st. And uh, Mm -hmm. for much of the month, I've been asking guests, as it is uh, something that we've, we've been doing this fun question with our uh, brand partner and sponsor Chase Slate. We uh, wanted to ask guests. It's Halloween. It's a scary month, you know. Mm-hmm. Not really, but spooky. Uh, what has been your scariest money moment?
1: Um. Oh, my scariest money moment. Let's see. I've had. I've had some some close calls. I mean, I've definitely flirted with a big fluctuation in my savings and in my checking accounts before where I've just not really known how I was going to make something happen or if rent was going to come in on time that month. I can't think of one in particular that I just felt like I was at rock bottom. But I've always (laughs) managed to figure it out. And that's been a really good lesson for me. I'm actually so happy I've had those really hard moments because I feel like now I just stress about money so much less because I've... You know, I've been in hard situations and figured it out then. I could do it again if it ever happened again.
0: That's good. You've you've flexed that muscle. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't have a better story. <laughs> no, no, it's it's fine. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Good news, bad news. Good news is I don't have a, a, a terrifying story about money, uh, but I guess that's bad for the question. <laughs> it's a little
1: boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh,
0: you've been so helpful. This is really good stuff. And I think you're helping a lot of listeners as we go along. Tell us about a money habit that you practice, Leah, that really helps you keep your focus, on you know the money ball and just you know keep your money where you feel like it needs to be and where it needs to stay growing
1: yeah. Um, so even though I did switch around sort of my saving habits, as I made the transition, one thing that I've always, always done is kept three, at least three at times I've had much more, but at least three, um, like online savings accounts. And I automatically pull for my checking every single week in all three of them. And they all three are saving for different things. And it's not so much a habit cause I don't have to actively do it, but just having that, you know, knowing that that's happening in the back of your, head at all times, I think, is so it gives you it gives me so much peace of mind because especially if you are growing a business and you are spending money in different ways and you know making money in different ways and sometimes things can feel like they're changing really quickly and knowing that you have that little bit automatically set aside every week is so grounding and can really just make you remember that you do have you do have this habit you do have this flow you do have this system you are on top of it you're just going through a change and that's usually exciting if you can let it be.
0: What are the three things that you're saving for? What are these accounts?
1: supporting? Um, My wedding and uh, my... Awesome. Congrats. uh, (laughs) I didn't know you were engaged. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I just got engaged about uh, three months ago. Thank you. And getting married in New York is not cheap. I don't know if you got married here. No, that's why we didn't get married in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty. <laughs> um, so I save for my wedding. I have an investment, um, or, you know, investment slash, um, Roth IRA fund that I save a little bit toward. And at the end of, you know, at April 15th of every month, I empty it and invest it in my, um, In my Roth IRA. And in addition to whatever cash I might have on hand, that could fill in the gap to max out the 5,500. Sometimes I have enough saved, sometimes I don't, but I do whatever I can that's in that account at that time. And then I just have a general savings.
0: I love that you're compartmentalizing your wedding. I think we could do a whole entire episode on how Leah is paying for her wedding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All I will say is uh, that I wish you the best of luck and enjoy it. Enjoy every second of that day. And remember, you're getting married, not wedding. That, <laughs> that is
1: a good. One. It's just the beginning. Say that
0: too. Um, are you ready for some so many fill in the blanks? I'd love to. Okay. Cool. All right. So first thing, if I won the lottery tomorrow, a
1: hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is a hundred million bucks. I would buy my mom a dream home or second home or whatever kind of home she wanted, and then I would uh, probably donate most of the rest, and then also. Pay for the rest of my wedding. (laughs) It's that kind of wedding, huh? Huh. It would be if I want to. I'm going to expect an
0: invitation at that point. If you're spending, (laughs) if you're dropping that much money on a wedding, Um, (laughs) all right. One thing I spend my money on that makes my life
1: easier or better is a luxury gym worth every penny. You use it. I do every day, and I don't, you know, dread going to it because it's actually a nice place to be. That's, that's good. That's right. Re- it's, you know, I had a
0: thought the other day that, uh, the gyms, the standard gyms that are, like, you know, you get your, uh, Stairmaster and your treadmill. I feel like they're losing their luster. People are really into taking classes and private classes and, um, or online, you know, you can work out online now. I do streaming classes online on my laptop when I can't hit, hit the mm-hmm. gym. So I, I wonder what the appeal is now for like the big old gym, but you obviously are a fan.
1: Well, I, the, I, you know, five out of the seven days I do classes. So I, ah, I get the class. Yeah. Makes, makes sense.
0: All right. Okay. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is
1: um, that you can always make more of it. There's more than enough of it. And it's more important to learn how to make more than to save more.
0: I agree with that. I didn't know that in my twenties. So you are way ahead of me on that, on that mentality. <laughs> Thank you. It's still, it's, it's a bit of a controversial thing to say in some, in some circles. But I think, um, in my life, that's been the case. And I know that there is definitely a movement towards that mindset shift. Uh, all right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because
1: um, I guess the tie would be causes toward justice reform uh, or w- just women women's empowerment and women mm-hmm. in business.
0: I love that. Because
1: yeah. um, I think justice reform, I think everyone deserves a second chance and it's hugely flawed in our country. Could do a whole thing on that. And women in business, because um, I think it's pretty obvious. It's changed my life and yeah. I think it could change many others. It's that lawyer in you, the justice reform,
0: maybe... Would you ever go? Do you think you think law, law legal life, law is just way? It's like a thing of the past. It's no longer it, a thing in the future.
1: It is. It's like the career that was over by the time I was twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. I
0: I'm needed. so glad you. So many people go to law school because they think that's what they're supposed to do, and what an expensive yeah. mistake to make. You know? No kidding. Yeah. Eat no kidding. All right. And last but not least, I'm Leah Gervais. I'm so money because.
1: Um, uh, oh, geez. I should have had something go on about this better. Um, I'm Leah Gervais and I'm so money because, uh, I no longer stress about money and you shouldn't either. You can do this. You can do whatever you set your mind to. You got this, people. Leah says so. <laughs>
0: Leah is so nice to catch up with you. Really, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm really impressed. I'm proud. I'm also really impressed with the, Uh, The accomplishments you've made in a relatively short period of time, um, you go after it, girl. I love it.
1: And we really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Good luck to you and stay in touch. Thanks so, so much, Farnoosh. It was lovely speaking with you as well. And thanks for everything you do. Thanks so much to Leah for stopping by. Her website, again, is
0: urban20something.com. That's urban20something.com. If you'd like to download her free case study that describes how she went on to make thousands of dollars in her side hustle, go to urban20something.com forward slash income dash boost This link is over at somoneypodcast.com along with the audio and the transcript. And if, by the way, you wanna leave me a question for our Friday episodes, because you know those days are all about you, turning the mic around and hearing what you have to say about your finances, what you're struggling with, the crossroads that you may be at. But, you know, not just about your money, but maybe your career, the money in your relationships. Let me know what's on your mind. I would love to help you. And if you want to co-host, that's also uh, where you can let me know. While you're on So Money Podcast, click on Ask Farnoosh and either leave a voicemail or type it in. Either way, you'll connect with me and I will get it on an episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.